Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Sunday. Uh, I was asked during the COVID season a couple of years ago when we'd come in, Jay, and do these uh, broadcasts um, for uh, COVID on Sunday, is it, is it awkward preaching to an empty church? And the answer to that question was, yes, it was until I was reminded of what the scriptures teach. We weren't preaching to an empty church. We were preaching in an empty building, but the church is very much full, Amen. and uh, the church is the people of God, wherever they may be, wherever the Lord leads them, as you have just sung. And so um, we're not preaching to an empty church. We're preaching to an empty building today, and I want to preach from the book of Jonah uh, today, and I entitle this message, Jonah and the World. Jonah and the world. So if you're at home, like Jay was talking about, wherever you may be, at a friend's house, maybe a Sunday school class got together, and uh, you're in someone's home, or your home, or even on the road but with your smartphone, uh, if you can, turn with me to the book of Jonah, and I'll preach this message, Jonah and the world. Now, Jonah is one of the most beloved and popular historical accounts uh, recorded in the Bible. Everybody loves the story of Jonah, especially Jonah and the well. And uh, there are many, many lessons. I believe our Sunday school uh, classes just finished uh, or still may be in uh, the Minor Prophets, uh, Hosea, and Jonah is included in uh, these uh, quarterly sessions of Sunday school. But uh, there's been a lot of preaching about Jonah. I preached through the book of Jonah here a number of years ago, and a lot of wonderful Bible lessons. But I want to tell you, as I begin this message, about a sermon that I did not hear because it was preached in the 1930s. But I want to tell you that I did read it, and it was preached by an English preacher by the name of John Daniel Jones. He preached a sermon entitled, The Missionary Call of the Old Testament. And um, he begins this message with a little bit of a rebuke. It was a rebuke to preachers about how they preached of the book of Jonah 
uh, through uh, the centuries. And he quotes a uh, commentary at the beginning, and then he continues on with his quote. And I kind of want to read to you this quote. It says, This is the tragedy of the book of Jonah, that a book which is made the means of the most sublime revelations of truth in the Old Testament should be known only for its connection with a whale. People have debated and discussed, they have wrangled and quarreled as to the interpretation of the story, and this is the sheer tragedy. For this book of Jonah is one of the noblest of, in the old, whole of the Old Testament, of all Old Testament books, it is the one that comes nearest in spirit to the New Testament, for the central lesson of the book is not that it is impossible to flee from the presence of the Lord or that disobedience inevitably meets with punishment, though these lessons are contained in it. But he said that the purpose of the book is to illustrate God's care for the Gentiles and their susceptibility to his word. He also went on in that message to challenge uh, preachers and teachers of the book of Jonah to reread it, but when they read it, to skip over chapter 1, verse 3, all the way to chapter 2 and verse 10. He said if you skip verses one, chapter 1 and verse 3, all the way to chapter 2 and verse 10, you see a continuity that illustrates or manifests the purpose and the heart of the book. So I did just that. I started reading, and I got to verse uh, <clears throat> the end of verse 2 in chapter 1, and I skipped all the way down to chapter 3 and verse 1, and I had a new perspective on the book of Jonah. Now I want to hasten to say that um, you need to read the entire book of Jonah. We believe in the whole counsel of God here. But uh, sometimes we reread a book of the Bible and read it in a different way, a different method. Maybe uh, read a certain text first and then second. We might, and another second, we might get a new perspective on the book of Jonah. Not that the other perspective is wrong, but uh, I did get a new perspective on the book of Jonah that I want to bring out in this message. But before I present that to you, I want to give you an outline of Jonah's experience what Jonah experienced. And so first of all, you can see in chapter 1, Jonah experienced God's wind. When he was running from God and disobeying God, he experienced God's wind, a storm. The greatest issue with that was is those around him in the world, the lost, also experienced that storm. And then in chapter 2, he experienced God's well. Jonah has the word God prepared in it on several uh, several times, and God prepared a well, a fish, uh, Jonah says. The book of Jonah says Jesus calls it a well. In chapter 2, we have God's well. And then in chapter 3, we have God's world, where Jonah confronts God's world, in particular the Ninevites, the Assyrian people, the Ninevites, the city of Nineveh. And then in chapter 4, God's worm. You remember Joe, Joe, Jonah threw a pity party and he got upset and he went up on the hillside to sit down to see what would happen to the city of Nineveh. And God said, it's hot, I'm going to provide you a gourd. And he made a vine, prepared a vine to cover Jonah. And then a worm got in. God put a worm in that 
gourd vine and ate it and it destroyed it and the sun beat down on Jonah and Jonah was displeased and God taught him a valuable lesson about it we'll get to in a few moments. So this morning, we're going to focus on Jonah and God's world. God's world. And we learned some valuable lessons. So let me read to you uh, the text that we're going to read. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now skip over to chapter 3 and verse 1, just a page over. And uh, we see that God says it again. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh. And remember, before this, he was in the well, the wind in the well. And he was in disobedience, and the well spit him out. And we'll, we'll look at that in just a few moments. But the second time, God said the same thing, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. It took three days to walk through it. He walked in for one day, and then he began to preach. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe uh, from him and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king, and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Well, the answer to that question was Jonah would know. God, Jonah could tell them that God would keep his word. If they would repent, they'd be saved from judgment. And verse 10 says, And God saw their works, their works of repentance, that they turned, repented from their evil way, and God repented. God changed his, his direction. God kept his word, said, You repent, then I'll change and will not punish you for your sin. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. And so we see Jonah and the world. Jonah going into the world where God wanted him to go and preaching the word. And from that experience that we just read, we find some principles that God wants for us, us to put to work in his world, in your world, where you are. You can take the word Nineveh and apply your street. We could take the word Nineveh and put our Ocean Springs High School in it or St. Martin High School or the middle schools. You can take that word Nineveh 
and put in our city, our county, even our state. And that's where God wants us to work and be a witness. So let me give you some of these principles. Number one, God loves the whole world, and he wants the whole world to be saved. His grace is greater than the sin of Nineveh. Nineveh was a major city of the Assyrians. They, in history, the Assyrians have been referred to as the cruelest of all ancient peoples. They would conquer and rule with sheer terror. When they conquered a nation, they would take it captive and take the residents out of the city-states that they conquered, the nations that they conquered, and take them away, and they would place them in another location, another area that they had previously conquered. This is true of the, uh, the Samaritans in the New Testament. And it was an awful experience. And they did that because they believed in territorial gods. They believed that the God of, of this area would not function well in another area. So they would take their whole, uh, their peoples and their gods and say, y'all are going to live here and you can have your gods here. And their gods would be rendered uh, weaklings there in that area. Of course, it was all related to idolatry. But they would make slaves out of people and homestead them in other areas. These were the people that developed the strategy of siege warfare to surround a city, let nothing out and nothing in, and starve it to death. But yet, God loved these cruel people. He loved these evil people and wanted to save them. You know, John 3.16 that we looked at last week, for God so loved the world, and you could say theologically correct, for God so loved the condemned world, Jay, for God so loved that world that's already condemned, he sent his son Jesus to them. He wants them to be saved. We read in uh, 2 Peter 3 that God is not willing that anyone should perish should go to a devil's hell, but that all should come to repentance. God loves the whole world and wants them to be saved. That's why he sent Jonah. Now, I will tell you today, there is an uprising, and it's been going on a while, of those who would say that God doesn't want to save the whole world, that God just has a select few he wants to, to save. They call them the elect. And I, I cannot abide by that because of many, many texts of Scripture but above all, for God so loved the world, the world. He loves the whole world, and he loves even the most sinful among us, the Ninevites. He loved them, and he sent Jonah to preach the word of God to them and call them to repentance. There's not a soul alive that God doesn't want to save and that God will not save if they were to call upon him. And dear friend, Whoever your mission is and our who's your mission emphasis, you know this and have confidence that God is with you as you are on mission toward that per person. God wants them to be saved. A second truth we see in these verses is that God wants us to do what, what God wants us to do in this world never changes. What God wants us to do in this world never changes. We see that in chapter 1 and verse 2. 
Arise, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for its wickedness has come up before me. And, of course, you know what Jonah did. He disobeyed. He said, I'm not going to Nineveh. We don't necessarily know the particular reason why he didn't go. I have a general reason, but we don't necessarily know the particular reason. Maybe racial prejudice. He was a prophet. Maybe he knew what would one day Nineveh would do. Uh, maybe he had some other issues that we don't know about. But uh, we do know he disobeyed God, rebelled against God, and uh, jumped a ship to go to Tarshish. And on the way to Tarshish, God hurled a wind on the sea, and he tossed that ship and was going to sink it. And you read the story before. You read the account. The mariners woke him up and said, What are you doing down here asleep? Get up and help us. And Jonah said, This is my fault. I'm running away from Jehovah. And when they heard that, they were afraid, and, they, and Jonah said, Just throw me overboard. And what's interesting is they were hesitant to do that, but eventually they had to do it, and they threw Jonah overboard, and Jonah was swallowed by a well that God had prepared that God had prepared uh, for Jonah. And so um, Jonah ran away. And after he was three days and three nights in the well, you remember what happened? The well spit him up. Let me tell you, I've eaten a lot of things in this life that's made me sick. But I tell you one thing, a, black, a backslidden preacher made the well sick. We got sick to his stomach. Jay's the only one laughing, I'm sure. But nonetheless, uh, he spit him up. In that whole situation with the wind in the well, nobody was happy. The, the sailors weren't happy because of the storm. The well wasn't happy with Jonah making him sick. Jonah certainly wasn't happy, and God was not happy. Uh, all that calamity because somebody disobeyed God and would not go proclaim the gospel. A waste of precious time. How many Ninevites in that massive city, how many Ninevites might have died during that three days that Jonah was in the well and wasting his time and not obeying God and being the witness he should and getting on mission with the Lord. Um, and how long, uh, how many people died in that three long days that it took Jonah to finally obey God and walk into that city for a day before he would begin uh, to preach. But if you notice in chapter 3, verse 2, when Jonah got out of the well, God said again the same exact words, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it what I've told you to preach. That is a valuable lesson for us as a church and as a believer in the Lord Jesus what God has told us to do in this world has not changed. Whether we obey it or not, whether we rebel against it or not, it has not changed. It is the same thing. The great commission that Jesus gave us to go into all the world, here at home and around the world, has not changed. Even when we don't focus on it, even when we're disobedient, it's still the same God did not take into consideration Jonah's feelings. He did not take into consideration Jonah's limitations. And I want to tell you, folks, we can ride around in whales for years and not be on the mission field, not be going after souls, 
and we're in great disobedience to the Great Commission. The mission is still the same. Jay, we can do a lot of things in the church, but if it's not proclaiming the gospel to individuals, your mission and my missions, if it's not proclaiming the gospel, telling people how to be saved, what God says about them, we, some, we sometimes move heaven and earth to have so much going on in the church. This program, that program, this activity, this event, that event. But if it's not proclaiming the gospel clearly and with an appeal, it is simply riding around in a well, wasting our time. It is time to obey God. It's time to go to your mission. Get that mission and go there. It's time. God's command has not changed. And then I'll tell you another thing. If you will proclaim the gospel, somebody is going to be saved. If you will proclaim the gospel, somebody is going to be saved. I have been so blessed by the response we've had to who's your mission. It's an amazing thing. And people uh, in our church, perhaps you, you, you might be the one I'm talking about, are so excited and they're so, uh, so pleased that we're having this emphasis because it just gives them the nudge they need. It gives them the training they're going to need. It gives them the encouragement. Basically, that's what it is. It's encouragement that they need to, to win that loved one to Christ, to go after their soul in 2023. But it's been amazing to me, the questions I've had. One question is, uh, preacher, do they, have to, do they have to be here? Can they live in another city? Well, sure they can live in another city. Jonah went to another city. Jesus went to many other cities. And if your mission's in another city, maybe a loved one or an old friend, somebody told me a former co-worker lives in another city, they want to win to Christ and see saved, and uh, way across the country this one is. I want to tell you, that can be your mission if that's who God burdens you for. Another question is, can we have more than one? Nineveh was a massive city. There were many people who needed to be saved. Maybe you have many people who need to be saved. Well, you just put them on there. Every one of them can be a mission of yours. We'll take them on together. And then uh, more than one. Another question I had is, well, what if somebody over here has the same one I do? Will we double up? Let me tell you something, friend. We might do more than that. It might be quintupled up, if that's a good word. We'll get after them. And so I won't tell you, but if you proclaim the gospel, somebody's going to get saved. If you commit to this, some people are going to be saved. Our baptisms will increase. God blesses the proclamation of his word. God blesses the proclamation of his word. People will be saved. I will tell you this. We're going to have people saved that don't, aren't even on our list because the gospel's going to be proclaimed. But you've got to get in it. You've got to get in it. And the more people get in it, the more God will bless it. And so that's a wonderful truth. The gospel. Listen. Now hear me out. Listen, don't, don't turn it off with this statement. You hear the full thing. The gospel is not powerful. The gospel is power. It is the power of God unto salvation. You proclaim it, people will believe and be saved. 
Also, here's another principle we learned from old Jonah. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel. In verses 6 through 9 of chapter 3, word reached the king. You don't know where the Word of God will go. When you speak it to somebody, you don't know where it's going to go. This time, it went all the way to the king. From that street in Nineveh, perhaps a marketplace, perhaps a subdivision, perhaps a, a neighborhood, from that marketplace, wherever it was, Word got all the way to the palace to the king. He is the leader of this entire sinful culture. This is the man who let his troops run wild in cities they would conquer and commit great atrocities. This is the, the ringleader of that evil and wicked empire. Well, what did he do? He repented. He called upon the people to repent. And he said, you even make your cows and your goats repent. He said, we're going to have them in sackcloth and ashes. His theology wasn't exactly right on that, but I want to tell you what, he repented and he, he came to the Lord. God can save even the hardest of souls if he will, the hardest of souls. Oh, listen, if you've got a mission and they're hard, we, we need to be like that old preacher of days gone by who would pray and say, Lord, give us souls and give us the meanest of souls. Give us the hardest of souls. Give us the most wicked of souls. And if your soul, that your mission is hard and you're hesitant to write their name down because you just don't think God can ever save them, stop listening to that lie. Let's just pray the Holy Spirit upon them and the Holy Spirit will chase after them and go after them and we'll pray for them and we'll... Win them over. God can do it. God can do it. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel of Christ. And then here is another one. And uh, we'll um, close out with this after some concluding remarks. But listen to this. There is a reluctance, even among believers, to have a mission and share the gospel. I know there are many of our folks ready with a mission. We're having those blue forms filled out and turned in. We'll have more as time goes on, I know. Uh, we hope to have over 100 of them. That's what I'm praying for, that God will give us over 100 of them. But also know that you might be somewhat reluctant. Now, I want you to notice, and I'm trying to be a pastor right here. I'm trying to have a pastor's heart and express a pastor's heart. I use the term reluctance. Jonah was, was not reluctant. He was rebellious. But I don't believe, and I may be naive, but I don't believe we have in our midst here at First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs a Jonah. I really don't. A Jonah that's rebellious. I think we've got a lot in, in, like Jonah in the well, just... Not, not where they need to be in, in terms of sharing the gospel. I mean, sometimes I'm in the well. But I believe we don't, I, I can't think of anybody in our church, our First Baptist family, that does not want people to be saved. I can't think of a soul that doesn't want their loved ones, their neighbors, 
to come to Christ, their co-workers to come to Christ. I can't think of anybody. I think if somebody gets saved, I, I don't. if we start having a lot of people saved, I don't believe we'll have anybody get mad like Jonah got mad. So I, I use the word reluctance, though. There is, I, I don't believe we have a single soul in First Baptist Ocean Springs that I know of who does not want to be instrumental in winning somebody to Jesus. I really don't. Um, now, I know we might. That's why I, I, I hit it every now and then. But I can't think of anybody I know. But here's the issue. You might be reluctant. Jonah was rebellious. And I know it's, it's better to be reluctant because you can be encouraged. Jonah had to be in the, forgive me, but in the gut of a well for three days and three nights. And still, when he got out of it and did his duty, he didn't like it. But you may not be rebellious. If you're reluctant, you can be encouraged and motivated, and we're going to have training and opportunities to, to, um, for you to invite people to. and You know, you can, you can do that, but you still might be reluctant. But here's the thing. Listen to this. And this is not a rebuke. This is just the fact. Reluctance and rebellion are two different things. But reluctance and rebellion lead to the same place, and that's disobedience. Reluctance and rebellion are two different things, but reluctance and rebellion both lead, lead to the same place, and that's disobedience in the belly of a well, wasting precious time in terms of someone's soul being saved. A wind that is detrimental to the world, like the storm in the first chapter if that had sunk the boat, you'd have sailors in hell and a backslider named Jonah embarrassed in heaven. A well in chapter 2 that renders us useless to the world. A savorless salt like Jesus spoke of. And so if you're reluctant, be encouraged with these things. You share the gospel, somebody will be saved. Nobody is beyond the reach of the grace of God for salvation. God saves to the uttermost, but he'll also save to the guttermost. He can soften the most hardest of hearts. Your mission has never changed. God's command to you and me has never changed. It's always the same. You preach the gospel. You proclaim the gospel. Commit to this and God will use you. And you're not alone. I'll be with you. Your staff will be with you. Church family, above all, your church family will be with you. And the Holy Spirit of God will be with you. So I urge you to commit. Jonah is one of two books in the Old Testament that ends with a question. It ends with a question. The, the question that... Jonah ends with is basically God saying, you know what, here, here is a great city um, that has six, store, six score thousand persons and that, that cannot 
discerned between their right hand and their left hand. They had a lot of children in that city and a whole lot of cows. That's what he says. And God basically says, should I not care for them? Should I not love them? Should I not save them? They are precious to me, Jonah. Should they? Should I not care about them? The second book that has ends in a question in the Old Testament is the book of Nahum. Now, what is very interesting is um, Nahum and Jonah both preached to the Ninevites. They both preached to the city of Nineveh, the Assyrians. Jonah offers them hope. But a hundred years later, Nahum shows up on the scene and he says, there's no hope. God's going to destroy you and wipe you out. It's too late to repent. And it ends with a question. Jonah's question has to do with will you with God's concern and God's compassion. Nahum's question concerns the judgment upon Nineveh. It just goes to show you how we need to be diligent in every generation to be faithful to share the gospel and be witnesses in this world. A hundred years later, this same city, the inhabitants of the city, the descendants of these people who repented in Jonah's day are lost forever. You talk about how to, how to put who's your mission to our young people, our teenagers. Well, this is it. The next generation, they're, they're the generation that will be leaders in our church. We'll be needing to share the gospel to this adult world. They need to start now. But Jonah had another question that haunts Jonah, and that is why did he run away from God? Why was he so rebellious against God? Well, there's many reasons, and I, I mentioned some earlier, so I won't rehearse them, but let me tell you the real reason, the, the fundamental bottom line reason. It's the same reason that we aren't as faithful to our mission as we should be. Jonah did not possess or share the same heart as God. He just didn't love these people the same. He wasn't burdened as God was burdened. He didn't share their heart. Do you have God's heart for the lost? Ask God for it if you don't. Repent of being in the well and just ask God for his heart for the lost. That's one of the six things we're asking people to do is ask God for a burden for one person. Jonah went on. He had the wind. God, he got out of that. Had the well. He got out of that. He went to the world. God saved people. But then he had a worm, and we're ended with an open-ended book. We don't know how it ended. I don't know if Jonah ever got right with the Lord. But I know you can, and you can have a mission. And, folks, that's what we're talking about. That's the bottom line is the heart of God and having the heart of God. Would you ask God for it today? Would you ask God for it today? I hope enough of our people hear this video on this Peter Anderson weekend and will have the heart of God in days to come for who's your mission. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was a great worship experience with your family and your friends. I hope and pray that uh, you will be back next week.
we'll have Wednesday night service, and then next Sunday we'll be back in our sanctuary with the church family, and um, we'll worship again. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jay, I, the Lord may change my mind, but I'm preaching a message on the man who barely made it. The man who barely made it. And we're going to talk about barely making it. And uh, may not be what you're thinking about. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity that you have. I want to thank you that um, during COVID, some people got together and said, uh, we have an opportunity, and you had provided for them financially, and they gave to purchase, and we had reserved funds to purchase this video equipment that now is taking us in many places, Lord. It's a joy to hear from uh, the Middle East. It's a joy to hear from uh, Florida. It's a joy to hear from other states and people at home who watch us and view us, Lord, our own people. And today, we made full use of it uh, with all those hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be outside. So thank you, Lord, for that. Help us to be people who represent your heart for the lost. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.